Hey, Megan, I have an idea. What's that, Jim? Let's do a podcast. What's a podcast? Podcast is like this internet radio show where we talk about our feelings. Wait, it's what's very, It's a very emotional experience. What are feelings? Feelings? Those are those are the those weird things that that make us angry. Oh, and like our rage sad. quotient. The rage quotient, yeah. Oh, those I are feelings. This. Whoa! Learn about that. That's cool. Learned about that drinking coffee today. Oh, did you have too much coffee? I had too much coffee. It affects my feelings. Yeah, I had a lot of coffee too, and I didn't. Well, I don't know. I think I maybe had a tiny bit more coffee than usual, but I didn't eat enough today. Hmm. So it kind of like threw me off balance. Yeah. So you know what I'm doing? I'm drinking a beer. Drink a beer. It well, evens it out. Hmm. You know, like the downer and the upper. Right. You gotta, <laughs> yeah. You got to even them out. Have you ever had Red Bull and vodka? Yeah, I don't really like it. Oh, it okay. tastes terrible. Well, let but me, it works. It makes me sound like a um, like an alcoholic, but uh, I like that better as a shot, a cherry bomb. That's what it's called. Hmm. Um, I think that's what it's called. Anyway, I like it better as a shot because I don't like the flavor of it. So it's just kind of like a quick thing. But um, no, I used to do that when I played gigs all the time and it definitely worked. It was like made you really hyper, but then also you felt pretty good. Interesting. Do I sound like a druggie? No. I mean, you sound like I professional. I downers. <laughs> I mean, you're you're a professional. That's weird. It's not a bad thing. I'm not okay with that. It's fine. No, that's good. This is good. This is valuable, pragmatic information, and that's well, what that's what we're doing here. I mean, I'm responsible. I'm not an idiot. Yeah. No, that's good because, like, I on the other hand, had way too many Red Bull and vodkas on a certain night in Las Vegas. <laughs> many moons ago i've never had a night in las vegas you should try it sometime no it's what interesting happened, well i was in town for a trade show and i was there with with work buddies and so we tore up the town one night tore it up tore it up i mean Painted first the town red yeah i mean first of all you, you start the night at the steakhouse on the company dime right so let's just stipulate that you know, company so you had steak. like fancy wine and stuff. Yeah, corporate yeah. steak. Yeah, maybe you know, two some wine with dinner. Maybe two rounds, mm -hmm. drinks at dinner, and then and then you put the corporate Amex away, and you get out your own wallet, and that's and that's fine. And you just start at one end of the strip and start working your way down. So you bar hopped in Vegas. Bar hopped in Vegas. That's pretty and sweet. yeah, it was. And on one of these nights, my uh, my drink was Red Bull and vodka. Oh my god, you were probably tripping the whole night. I was totally tripping balls. <laughs> Believe me. You had a whole night of Red Bull and vodka. Yes, that's insanity. Until until about four a.m. You're like breaking five rules by doing that. I know, right? Jeez, I didn't get sick from it. Well, yeah, but you were probably shaking like a freaking madman. It was just weird, like shaking and stumbling around. Yeah, well, it was. It was. I 
you know, actually, I wasn't shaking, but it was just this weird feeling of I'm so mellow, but not at all tired. Yeah. That's actually, yeah, that, that I could say, okay, I think maybe you went a little bit overboard with it, but I think yeah. maybe a Red Bull and vodka, like, if you're at a place where it, it's up, like Vegas, where bars are open really late, not like Cleveland, Ohio, where... You know, they're only open till two or whatever. But um, if you're like doing that, when you need your second wind, totally get a Red Bull and vodka. And there it goes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like your rejuvenating juice. Yeah. And the only reason, well, the only reason, the reason I knew I went too far was because I couldn't pee the next morning. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's too far. Yeah, that it was. Sucks. Yeah, you're probably like, I have to go so bad. But I couldn't. <laughs> I was like, okay, I. That's some damage. <laughs> that's some liver damage. The right kidneys up. are working really hard. Right yeah, now. big time. So I learned. Oh, and 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 funny. that that is what podcasting is about. Oh man, taking just... our experiences and we impart them. Onto others, not not like we're we're Moses with the tablets, but rather on the top of the mountain. We're just yeah. sharing. We're our, just a, our among and of the people, yeah. and we're sharing what what we know. No one has to take them and use them. Yeah, that's right. You just need to hear them. We're just putting it out there. Yeah, it it is the perfect podcast metaphor. We do these shows every week. This is the twenty fifth episode of Nerdovis. Woohoo! I'm Jim. Oh, I'm Megan. Yeah. We already said that, though. Yeah, well, yeah, I gotta do it. Yeah. Gotta work it in, okay? Script. And, you know, we just throw it out there, and nobody listens. Right. But it's, you know, it's it's there for the taking. It's there because one day my grandchildren will listen to it and think, wow, Grandma was crazy. <laughs> so why when, it's there. So when Grandma asks for her special drink, for her special <laughs> medicine... <laughs> this is where she learned about her special medicine. <laughs> it's like an origin story. Yeah. For this is why grandma drinks. <laughs> yeah, I get you it. You know what? I'm going to be the best old lady ever. Oh my god. I can't wait. Seriously. No rules, man. Yeah. No rules. Yeah. It's all out in the open. Everything is just a hundred percent me that's what it's gonna be like <laughs> you're gonna be a tough uh tough cookie on bingo night oh you you bet i'm gonna give some black eyes out or something that's right it's gonna happen absolutely bunko yeah <laughs> i don't even know how to play that but i know it's an old people game yeah it'll be awesome stuff i i told my sister um one day when we're old widows, we're totally going to get an old Victorian house and just pretend to be like creepy witch sisters. <laughs> Scare all the neighborhood children. Oh my God. I'm going to have like a really long braid. <laughs> can you guys please get, awesome. can you please get prosthetic noses with a wart on them? I mean, that would be cool. Yeah. That would be awesome. Yeah. 
I think that'll be the only time in my life where I get a cat. Oh, a, a real cat, but like a prop cat. Oh, yeah, it'll be a real cat, but it's yeah. going to be a black cat, and it's just going to be there just for effect. Mm-hmm. That would be so great. Oh, yeah. So great. That'd be awesome. So did you read a book this week? I did. Right. I did. I read um, Star Wars Dark Force Rising by Timothy Excellent. Zahn. And I'm, I'm pretty pumped about it. Yeah. It's book two of the trilogy. Mm-hmm. Two down, one to go. Hell yeah. So let's talk about this. Sweet. You can start. I liked it. Oh, yeah. At the same time, um, I actually finished it a few days ago, so I need a little refresher already. Yeah. <laughs> it already went in one ear and out the other. Yeah. Well... I think we we should probably start where well here's here's the thing is when we talked about heir to the empire we we didn't even mention one of the most important characters of this book trilogy Mara Jade Oh yeah so let's I know start a little bit about her Yeah let's start with her Yeah let's talk about her that's what a good you, idea What do you think of Mara Jade well, I do know the spoiler about her that I'm not going to say. But um, so anyway, I'm like reading about her with that in mind. Um, but I think I think she's pretty cool. Um, she's a little bit, a little bit too uh, eager to kill Luke in the beginning, just in, in the books, because it's like, dude, just just chill. Just a little bit chill. You know, it's cool. Relax. I don't know. I mean, maybe your life was cool, but things change. So why do you got to get all murdery up in here? I don't know. She just seems to be a little bit too eager. But um, no, I think she's totally awesome. I think um, one thing I was a little bit unsure of was like, why is she kind of Jedi genetics? Who's her parents? Do you know? Is that something that you know? Hmm. I don't know offhand. Like I was curious I because I'm like, yeah. like it had to have been someone that uh that we know because there aren't very many Jedi's. I guess it was somebody who was killed. I'm assuming in the right, right. I mean, how? Well, I mean, who the would way, her parents be? the The way it works with with Jedi is like your your parents are like Muggles. Wait, I thought usually. Oh. Wait, but what about Anakin? I thought that it was like like Harry Potter where it was like usually at least one of them is a wizard. And sometimes you might be a mudblood like Hermione where your parents are both muggles. But usually you've got the blood running through you. I think that's I think I think the whole Skywalker family tree kind of kind of shades that a little bit because in the lore about the Jedi, at least as far as I understand it is, is basically this Uh, force. And this, so we go to like pre empire times with this stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, basically the Jedi would identify 
force-sensitive children at an early age and then like go to the parents and 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 say hey look your kid seems to have force sensitivity or force ability or whatever so like they would get their owl in the mail and it would come and send them their hogwarts acceptance letter yeah pretty much except they it would happen like at a very young age Okay, like maybe with Harry just, Potter, it's eleven. Yeah, so it'd be like a couple years old. Okay. Oh, it's like two or three. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So would they like steal you away from your family? Well, it was done with permission, but yeah, I mean, once you were identified, you went off and you lived with the Jedi, right? And you didn't so this, go home and visit your family or anything like that anymore. So this is why in um, in Phantom Menace. Ugh, um they're like he's too old because he's like eight right right he's like eight or nine so they're like no he's too old too bad yeah okay yeah exactly and so there's that and then the other thing is the jedi aren't the jedi aren't aren't allowed to marry right okay now spoiler alert being married or not or not married doesn't actually preclude one from having children. <laughs> no, this may be <laughs> a surprise <laughs> to some people. <laughs> no, that's not how my mom and dad taught it to me. Right. That is not right. Right. So, <laughs> uh, so having said that, yes, theoretically, a force baby could have the parentage of one or two Jedi. But for the most part, that's not the case. Now, the the other weird thing about Jedi lore is, is this, uh, this whole idea of you're not supposed to get married, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're celibate. Right. It's kind of like this read between the lines. Right. Kind of Not thing. like, it wouldn't be as strict as like, like a monk or something. Like right. They, yeah. yeah. So. You can have some party time, but you can't right. get attached. Is that okay. like the whole, yeah. the whole thing. So anyways, we're way off the rails, but. Uh, no, no, no. Well, I'm going to bring it back to this book. So at this point in the Star Wars world. Uh, Jedis are really rare and you know supposedly Luke's the only one but then you know there's Leia and um, there's Mara Jade who seems to have some Jedi flowing through her some of the force and um, then there's Master Saboth is that how you say his name? Yeah Joris Saboth or yeah. Saboth yeah, so like there's all these like people that are kind of popping up here and there. And I think my guess is since there really aren't very many Jedi left, this whole like Jedi school thing, the idea of it's kind of gone. Like people are training like Luke is thinking ahead to Leia's children being born and being like, "Okay, well I have to train them then." So like now that there aren't a lot of Jedi it's more of an individual society instead of a group working in like a government, not a government, but an organization. Right. Right. So, so 
these rules like i mean Leia's married and you know there's going to be kids in a family and they're not going to get separated and blah 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 so things are kind of different now yeah it's a, it's a totally new set of rules compared to how the way the jedi order used to work right yeah so that's it's yeah so yeah anyway um so that yeah so it's a little bit of a mystery about who mara jade like how where she comes from Hmm. yeah yeah i'm just i'm doing a scan through the star wars wiki here and um it actually says mara jade was born in 17 bby which is before the battle of yavin mm-hmm. during a time of great instability as emperor palpatine and his apprentice darth vader were eliminating the remnants of the jedi order emperor palpatine took jade from her parents and brought her to the planet coruscant at a very young age where he began to train her in the Force, although officially she was one of the Imperial Palace's dancers. Years later, Jade remembered little about her early life, besides her parents' reluctance to let her go, and her own certainty that she was going to leave with the Emperor. And blah, 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 blah. Okay. So he kind of took her at an early age and groomed her. Kidnapped her. Yeah, pretty much. Cool. So she's got some issues. <laughs> yeah. So here's a here's a question um, that I was wondering because I could have probably looked it up, but I figured I would ask you on the podcast because that's fun. Um, her past is that she was the emperor's hand, mm-hmm. and um, like you just explained, he kind of brought her up, so she has a big attachment to the empire or to the emperor. Um, she did. Uh, sort of hide one of her false identities was one of Jabba the Hutt's dancers. Right. Right. Yeah. Is she in the movie then, or did Timothy Zahn make her up? Like, that's my question is that if you went back and watched the movie and looked for Mara Jade, would she be there? He made her up. So she's not even like that's, there wouldn't there wouldn't even be somebody you could point out. That's like did he make her up from the blue or did he make her up from a girl that was actually in the movie? He he made her up out of the blue. So the the short answer is that he made her up out of the blue and did not really base her on uh on any particular like actress in the movie. Yeah. But, let's see. Uh, I'm Googling this one. Because that would be really neat. Because I always thought... Oh, wait a second here. I think I found it. So... Okay... Okay. Can I read some more? Oh, yeah. Because I'm a professional voice actor. (laughs) Okay. Does Mara Jade appear in Return of the Jedi? In the expanded universe, a character named Mara Jade plays an important role. She She was first seen in the Thrawn trilogy trying to fulfill her last command. 
I had always been under the impression that she was created for the expanded universe and, and had not been in the movies at all, similar to such characters as Coran Horn and Winter. Recently, however, I heard a rumor that she actually did appear in Return of the Jedi in a scene in Jabba's palace. Is this the case? If so, was this always the case? Or was she added in during one of the edits? Yeah, the answer that's basically my question is, too. Yeah. The answer is no. Not in the Return of the Jedi film. Even the various special editions, Blu-ray, DVD, etc. She has appeared in various media which take place at Jabba's palace, posing as a dancer named Arika. According to Star Wars Insider, issue 66, the official Star Wars magazine, uh, used to be a subscriber, just saying. <laughs> no matter how thoroughly you comb through the background of extras at Jabba's Palace, you won't find Mara Jade. Logically, you can't find a character introduced in 1991 in a 1983 movie. Moreover, you won't find anyone that has been retroactively named Mara Jade. Okay. When, let me go just a little bit further. Um, when Dark Horse Comics published Mara Jade by the Emperor's Hand, they established what exactly Mara was wearing in her guise as Arika, the dancing girl. There is no one in the film wearing such an outfit, so we're left to assume that Arika is just off camera. Right. It seems like there's a big butt hanging over that, though. Is there some sort of... The only, the only butt about it is there used to, in the 90s, there was... Uh, a company called Decipher that made like a, a Star Wars trading card game, sort of like oh, a yeah. Magic My the Gathering dealy. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and Mara Jade was like a hugely popular character. Yeah, I remember and, that. Yeah, I, I do remember her like as a kid. Like I didn't really know anything about her, but I do remember Mar- yeah. the name Mara Jade and what she looked like and everything. Yeah, and so they made. They made a trading card where they photoshopped an actress in a costume that matches the description from that comic book, like photoshopped her into Jabba's palace. Gotcha. And that actually, that trading card actually came out in 2001. So it was a little bit after the 90s, but anyways. Oh, see, that's crazy to me. Like, that is super awesome that this trilogy is now just part of Star Wars. Like... I never that that's the thing. I never knew that. I never knew that this is the trilogy that began the expanded universe and that it's accepted as like part of Star Wars's universe even by officials. Right. I mean that's cool. Yeah. And that Timothy Zahn was just like a sci-fi writer, right? Mm-hmm. I mean that's super awesome. Yeah. I mean even even before it's like writing a Harry Potter fanfic and then having it be like part of the, <laughs> I mean, that'd be super cool. Yeah. Isn't it, um, crap, what is it? Didn't 50, am I getting this wrong? Didn't 50 Shades of Grey? Am I on crack? I think it might have started as a Twilight fanfic. Yeah, it started out as a Twilight fanfic. I think it did. Yeah. 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 But it doesn't seem like it anymore. So I think, you know, that that's a good example, but mm-hmm. it's not exactly the same yeah. because they ended up changing it. Yeah. But, but yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're not on crack. 
Okay. Unless you are. Maybe I am. I, I, don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> I'm not saying officer. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, Tim- Timothy Zahn was, he was a very successful science fiction writer, like even before he did did the Star Wars books and has written many uh, additional non-Star Wars uh, books since then. But uh, yeah, it, it is a really cool tie-in and it's just, it, it adds these books in particular, but also a lot of the other expanded universe just really adds uh, so much richness to, to the original material. Right. Uh, a couple other books that, that I want to mention to to everyone while I'm thinking of them. And I, I don't think we'll ever get an opportunity to cover them on the show, but they're worth checking out. Um, in the 90s, there were uh, a couple of books that, uh, that, were, that were written. They're anthologies. Uh, Tales from Moss Eisley and Tales from Jabba's Palace. And so what those are, are they're, they're short stories about different characters from Moss Eisley in Episode 4, and then also Jabba's Palace. Yeah. So you get, like, this short story of, well, what's the backstory of, uh, like, Dengar the Bounty Hunter? Or, uh, like, the backstory of the Cantina Band musicians. Yeah, I mean, it's it's totally, like, legitimate fan fiction. That's awesome. Yeah. It, <laughs> I love it that. It really kind of is. It really kind of yeah, is. Because really it, like it hits, just so perfectly, hits all those notes that, like, the fanboy or fangirl would write about. Yeah. Because it's written by fans. Yeah. But they just happen to be good writers. <laughs> right. Right. That's the cool thing. Um, but we, are, we talked a lot about this in the last episode. So we should discuss more about the plot here. Yeah. Um, I think one thing. So about Mara Jade. Um, so she is kind of like at this point now that the Empire, now that the Emperor was killed and she's kind of like estranged um because her job was a little bit secret she didn't not very many people knew who she was so she is kind of estranged right now um and she's basically working as a regular smuggler right just like kind of like han solo was right so um she's working as a smuggler and tell me a little bit about um how do you say his name card oh talon card yeah. Yeah. So he's like he's like in charge. He's like a leader of smuggler dudes and chicks. Yeah. So yeah. What about him? In a lot of ways, he's kind of the Han Solo replacement. If you think about it, because at this point, Han is like fully the good guy. Yeah, he's totally kind of like thing or whatever. So yeah, and 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 Lando pretty much is too, right? So Talon Card is 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 in in their place as this um like neutral ambiguous character. 
Yeah, because that that's a good that's a good point. Because when I when we were first introduced to him in the first book, it was almost like, okay, is this a good guy or a bad guy? Like you don't he doesn't really have either role because he's just in it for himself, and you know he's either going to be on the side of the empire or on the side of the rebellion or the new republic because he's you know kind of an outlaw right so that was one thing where you know it took me a little bit to kind of like him because i was like this guy's a little bit flaky but i mean he's just one of those like lovable smuggler dudes yeah like like con and lando yeah and i i really like his the angle with him to where he's above all he's he's an information broker right right i mean he's not just because a lot of the smugglers are are basically drug dealers or like jabba or like where jabba's like you know like a, in the same kind of business but he's always just going to be a jerk right but then they're you know like yeah so the thing about card which is cool is that he he's loyal and he is, you know, he's not afraid to be like, well, I, you know, I need to cover for these guys or I need to help these guys out because they owe me or I owe them or whatever. So he's a little bit more likable than, you know, Jabba. Yeah. He's a lot lot more likable, but yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. He's not like just the gangster kind of thing. It's like, he's, he's really smart. And he's all about like the knowledge and the information, and that kind of uh, makes for a character that is sort of like above it all in a way. And he's just kind of like at the top of it, looking down, kind of figuring out all of the maneuvering and figure figuring out like who's doing what and. Right. Why? Why is this situation the way it is? And and, but and then, that kind of idea. Wait, am I remembering this wrong? Is he the one with the? Um, I'm getting ahead of myself. But is he the one that that knew where the Katana fleet was? Or no? Um, wait. Yeah. 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 So I'm getting ahead of myself. But he is neutral. But at the same time, he he um, he kind of has to pick a side because he has some really important information and it's going to give whatever side gets that information the the advantage so he's kind of in the in a position where he has to make a decision about like who he's going to give that advantage to right yeah no i think that's true and I, and that's a good point because yeah at some point you 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 kind of have to in order to profit from that information you have to give someone the advantage Right. Right. And you have to you have to choose well, who is it that that I'm going to give that advantage to. Right. So that's that's an interesting way of, of looking at it. The other thing that I kind of like about this this entire book series in general is this uh, idea of the slicers. Um um which is like the the Star Wars universe equivalent of hacking. Wait, when does that appear? Sorry, I'm forgetting. Um, does it not? I thought that they talked about it in the first two books. I'm sure they do, but yeah. I just I can't remember. 
Um, is that like I, when? Is that like when? Um, that probably isn't really it. But when Luke's X-wing was like kind of at the bottom of the repair list, and they needed to move it up, and there was that one guy, one like kid intern for Card who kind of like worked his magic somehow. Yeah. No. Yeah, I right? think that's a good. Is that right? Yeah. A good example. I, don't know, I could be totally wrong. Sorry, right, as long as I speak with authority and sound like I know what I'm talking about, then. Secret of my 38 years on this planet. What? Be wrong with authority. <laughs> People think you're right. That's, that's a lesson I learned in music. If you make a mistake, make it two more times. And that's then right. everyone thinks it's on purpose. That's right. That's that's jazz improvisation, baby. I totally did that before. Yeah. I mean, so many times. It's like, oh, whoops. Well, it'll just happen two more times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I love For that sure. rule. Yeah. It's a good rule, though. <laughs> People anyway. say it for a reason. Anyhow. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Talon card's cool. Right. And uh, fits fits really well in with the uh, with the whole Star Wars universe. Yeah. Um, Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, and, and he ends up being a character that makes... Appearances in a lot of subsequent books, too. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. It's cool to kind of see the background of where Han and Lando came from. Mm-hmm. You know, like Agreed. seeing more yeah. of the smugglers. Like, it's it's neat to see that because you don't really... You hear them talking about their stories and whatnot in the movies, but, like, you don't really get to see that in action except for maybe at, at Mos Eisley and a little bit with Jabba. But, like... You don't really get to see the life of a smuggler, and it's really neat to see that in the in these books. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, again, it's just like the the whole richness of of the universe getting getting fleshed out in a way that matches the tone of the movies, but gives you way more detail than uh, than you could possibly get in the films, right? Super awesome. Yeah. So, um, Grand Admiral Thrawn, mm-hmm. um, was he just another character that Timothy Zahn made up out of the blue? Yeah. Uh, literally blue. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, so, okay. So, are there other Grand Admirals in the movies that I should know? Or is that, is that another thing that was made up? They well, because like there's the the admiral right for the last time admiral, but he wasn't a grand admiral. He was just like a dude, a regular admiral. Yeah. So I don't think that there's anybody in the movies that's specifically referred to as a grand admiral. Um, I'm trying to think though because I seem to, I seem to remember at one point. Like Tarkin before he becomes like a moff and then Grand Moff, that he was a Grand Admiral. Okay, but that that that's like I I could be again smoking crack. Yeah, on that, uh, and in either case, it's uh, just like an expanded universe, like retcon. Yeah, sort of thing. Anyhow, well, one thing that kind of 
I don't know, like, okay. This is supposed to take place after, like five years after Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. So there's the war is still happening, even though in Return of the Jedi, it seems like it's over, you know? Right. Um, and one thing I feel like should have, I don't know, it, it seems like with this trilogy, it's almost like, okay, the rebellion should have had a little bit more intelligence about the structure of the, the empire government, because wouldn't they know that there's a lot more, there are a lot more people of authority that needed to be like targeted, <laughs> you know, like it seems like they killed the empire or the emperor. I keep switching those words. They kill the emperor and Darth Vader dies. And now they're like, yay. Da, 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 da. But it's like killing Saddam Hussein and Osama bin Laden and being like, it's over. Cause like <laughs> there's a lot more people that are out there. Right. That are still fulfilling the rule of terror. Exactly. And like, I don't know. It just seems a little bit kind of silly of the rebellion. Yeah. Well, it's, like it's, they should have had a little bit more intelligence on that. Oh yeah, definitely knowledge. And it's it's really cool how 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 these books kind of go. Like, okay, you know that you can't end a regime in one battle because yeah. I mean, obviously, with with a movie, like you need a happy ending. Right, and you got You got to wrap it up in two hours and ten minutes, or however right, but long like, Jedi even is. the but... characters, like Han and Leia, are like back when the war was happening, and the, everyone's like, "The war is still happening, people," you know. And it's like, right, yeah. Even they seem to be a little bit; their heads are up their butts a little bit. Hmm. Yeah, definitely. It's, uh, you know, I I think if you were going to come up with like the reasoning for for why it is the way it is um the rebel alliance was really small right yeah and 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 the other thing that that you have to realize too is that in in the star wars universe it's an entire galaxy. Right. You know, it's not just like... There's a lot going on. Even though we only see, like, Tatooine and, like, a snow planet and a and a, a, a swamp. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. you think, well, that's about it, right? Well, no. There's supposedly... Uh, tens of thousands of member worlds to the Republic. And then as a consequence, tens of thousands of worlds that are then subjugated by the empire. And um, in, in the star Wars universe, it also just sort of feels like, for for a lot of planets it's kind of business as usual mm-hmm. once the empire takes over but then for others it's 
like the total game changer because they come and enslave everybody and like, like the one that i forget the name of it but with that character who is calling leia lady vader what's the name of that planet i forget but um do you remember uh it's I off can, on the tip i can of my try tongue, to look but, i can yeah. try to look in the book um while i'm talking i will look um okay his name is kabarak that's the name of the character um and basically their planet was kind of a underdeveloped society right so they're, they're from uh onager or honager or however you're supposed to say it. oh yeah the nogri is the name of them yeah. yeah the the population um so their planet is a little bit more well it's it's very basic and um they're not as uh developed as some of the other planets are so they kind of have they're like a farming planet um and they don't have technology they don't even know what ships are they don't they've never seen a spaceship before they don't know any of that um so they see this explosion of fire in the sky and like it's this big battle and they're like holy crap the gods are angry because we don't know what these things are and their whole entire life is completely changed because of this this battle and now all of a sudden they're they owe the empire because um after basically there's a battle in the sky and um there there were earthquakes because of it and their crops were ruined because of it and blah 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 and then Darth Vader comes down and is like, hey, I'm about to fix all your crap for you because that's what I'm doing. But really, he's just manipulating them. And so they think they owe the Empire and blah, blah, blah. So their whole lives are basically owed to the Empire. And and for them, business is not as usual. Business is completely different. Um, And it's it's interesting to see a different type of population. It kind of reminded me of Battlestar Galactica, you know, because mm-hmm. you see when they land on the the earth like planet in the in the end of the series it's still in its early stages of of human development or you know species development so it's cool to see that in this um cuz in star wars like a lot of the times they land on these planets and it's like oh yeah it's a city it's another city it's a different city it's other cities but everyone's still like pretty much on the same page so it's it's neat to see this planet of of underdeveloped species where they're not as technologically uh capable as, you know, Coruscant or or Tatooine or whatever. Um so I don't know. I mean, I could keep going with this plot line if I if you wanted me to. No, go for it. Okay, so from from this book, um you know, Leia pretty much is like, oh my gosh, they saw the battle of the Death Star or whatever the battle was. And they think, you know, it was between the, the, the rebellion and the empire and it's all our fault that everything's ruined and blah, blah, blah. And oh my gosh, I need to somehow rectify this situation and prove to them that the empire is really using them. Um, so she's trying to convince them diplomatically that they're really just slaves to the empire and it, and in the end, she discovers that it actually was the battle. It was a battle that took place in the Clone Wars way before. 
and they've been under this presumption for 40 some years and um and the empire is actually purposefully destroying their crops continuously via droids and stuff and yeah so she she ends up getting them on their side it's almost like the ents <laughs> mm-hmm. i always i always think of different things to relate but like the ents are definitely negatively affected by um saruman and sauron but they don't want to admit it they think it's all fine until someone comes along and proves to them that really they're being destroyed by this too and they need to step up and that's exactly what leia does for these people so yeah so i think doesn't this book kind i mean you might not totally remember but i'm pretty sure this book kind of ends on that note for that plot line it sort of ends on the note of like they're now on the side of of the rebellion but we don't know what's going to happen yet with them right yeah yeah yep i think that's a neat uh i like that plot line with leia and them it's cool yeah, it, it it is because it it really it it gives Leia a chance to shine. Yeah. And you get to really see how important she is. Yeah. Because she's in in terms of like Jedi powers those those are still undeveloped. Right, but she's very diplomatic and she knows how to be a leader. And um, you definitely see that really well in this. Yeah, She's awesome. Yeah, she's great. <sighs> um, Love me some Leia. Totes, my goats. Wow, I just said that, didn't I? <laughs> it's fine. So, um, what's the deal with, um, with this whole Admiral... Admiral Akbar is like being um, accused of like treason or something, and that Fela or whoever it is, Frela, yeah, is like, Senator, Senator uh, Fela, is kind of ambiguous right now. Like we don't know what's going on. If if uh, is that a he or a she? It's a he. If he is um like kind of a spy or what? When you're reading this book, do you have any doubt? About Akbar's innocence? No, I see it all as a conspiracy when I read it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so do I. You you kind of get the sense that, you know, this is being pinned on him, obviously. And the whole idea is it creates this tension between and. him and Fela. And you kind of think, well, obviously Akbar is getting set up, but is Fela a good guy? Is he, he aware a bad of that? Guy? Or is he, yeah. Yeah. Or what, you know, what exactly is... Like, what's the purpose of this setup? Yeah. And so... um, Is that something that you don't find out till like, the very end? Yeah. It's, I guess, at the end of the third book. Is you, you kind of figure out what the... What the resolution is to... Uh, the whole spy thing and and uh, Delta Source is, yeah. is the leak. Wait, okay, explain Delta Source. I don't want to say too much more because I don't want to like give an immediate spoiler for for the third okay book. But 
Yeah, I mean, basically, Delta Source is a leak in the Republic. Right. Uh, I'm excited to see the little mini Leia Han kids. Baby Hans and baby Leia's. Just to give a little bit of a hint or clarification is Delta Source isn't like who or what you would think necessarily in terms of being a leak. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, Said too much. (laughs) That's all right. Um, I'm a little... Okay. I'm going to be honest. I'm a little... Not skeptical, but I'm a little bit like unconvinced about Han and Leia's undying love for each other. Hmm. Go on. I just here. Here's the deal. In the movies, we've talked about this. In the movies, my feelings about them is that Han's kind of a butthead, and like he turns to be pretty okay in the end, you know. But like when they're like quote unquote courting each other, they're not really like. They're mostly just hating each other. You know? And he's always like, okay, lady, like, you totally love me. And she's like, screw you. No, I don't. And then all of a sudden, you know, they're like making out. And it's like, okay, when did you actually decide you liked each other? I'm confused. So in the movies, like, you know, Return of the Jedi has a little bit more, like, you see them together and you kind of realize, like, okay, yeah, they do love each other. Like, that's cool. And he gets jealous when he thinks that she likes Luke and all that stuff. So that's cool. But like, then when you get to this book, they're already five years into their relationship. And it's like, I never got to see that like proof happen. Like I never got to see them really fall for each other because in the movies, it's a lot of like, it's one of those like, like hating, 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 hating. Oh, love. <laughs> like, and to me, like, when I see in this book, especially since they're separated for most of it because they're both on their own separate little missions, I wish I had more of a connection to their relationship than I do. Mm-hmm. I wish I was a little bit more invested in it. Does that make sense? That makes a lot of sense, actually. And we've kind of talked... I, I remember that we talked about that before when we when we discussed the films. Right. Where Han is... Han's a jerk. Yeah, he's totally womanizer. I mean, yeah. he's, like, he's like tricking her into liking him. I mean, yeah, he's a good guy at heart or whatever, but he's like... He's still like 51% jerk, 49% nice guy. Yeah. And that 1% kind of makes all the difference. Well, I think it's it's like... I mean, he's definitely, like, I don't want to say manipulates or coerces, but he kind of does manipulate her into liking him. Yeah. Just by saying repeatedly that she likes him. Hmm. Like, he's like, you like me. You like me. And she's like, no, I don't. No, I don't. And finally, she's like, okay, I do. Yeah. And it's like, a little bit annoying, which is fine if there was more of like a bonding experience later, but they're really, I mean, you don't really see them really like deeply fall in love 
And so when you're in this series and it's five years later and they're like married and have kids on the way, it's like, I really hope you got to know each other a little bit. <laughs> you know? Like, I'd be like, I really hope, right. really hope you know what you're doing there. Yeah. Well, let me... I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. What what you're saying makes sense, and I totally get that. And it's an interest. It's an interesting perspective, and I think you, uh, you you have you have a level of insight about this that I think a lot of people, just myself included, just kind of wash over and and ignore. It's a totally legit point. May I recommend a book? Oh, I thought you were going to be like, may I recommend you light the hell up? (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Very good. May I recommend a book from Dr. Ruth? No. Um, (laughs) The Courtship of Princess Leia. Okay. I'm pretty sure I know that one. Yeah. I didn't read it, but yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. So that's the book where you, you kind of get their relationship okay yeah is that supposed to be in between heir to the empire and return of the jedi yes yeah yeah it's the book where they fall in love like even more whatever and uh and all of that stuff and they they go for they ride on rancor monsters it's very touching oh that's fun yeah uh so yeah courtship of princess leia is where you see more of their relationship and and you understand that it's it's a genuine thing and it's not just Han being a jerk and then her being like you're a jerk you're a jerk okay yeah <laughs> so that's good but yeah the that's the good, whole yeah. the whole thing with the kids is, is interesting and the the expanded universe goes very deep into the lifetimes misadventures of the solo children and the <coughs> spoiler alert Skywalker child yeah yeah or children yeah. actually um and there are I'll, I'll simply say that there are parallels to to the films that I think kind of make the the way they deal with the kids in the books a little bit tropish. What do you mean? Meaning, there's there's some similarities to. To storylines and and like history repeats itself. Yeah, of. yeah, it repeats itself. Do you itself. think that's lame? It's a little bit lame. Yeah, it's kind of like I don't know. One of the things that believe me, I love Star Wars. Okay, but one of the things that drives me a little bit nuts in Star Wars is this whole trope of your kids turn out to be terrible. Yeah. Like the cycle never breaks. Right. And it's just weird to have who should be perfectly good parents have a child that turns out, or children that turn out to be 
terrible or whatever. Yeah, because you, you see Anakin and Padme, and obviously they're going to screw up. Right. They're dumb. Mm-hmm. But then you see Leia and Han, and it's like, well, why would they screw up? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just a little bit of the, the history repeating itself sort of thing. But overall, it's it makes for interesting stories. Yeah. Well, you can't love every aspect of everything, anything, and it came out with Star Wars related things. Like That was a bad sentence, but you know what I'm saying. Right. Um, especially since they're all written by different authors. Yeah. There's bound to be something unlikable. Yeah. So true. So true. Speak. It's hard to accept. Well. It can be hard to accept to to enjoy something and still see its flaws. I understand. But that makes you, I think that makes you stronger as a fan. It does. And more genuine. Yeah. And ultimately, I think you enjoy something more if you can think critically about it. I agree. Yeah. So speaking of thinking critically, I critically think that we've been doing this for an hour and we should probably start to yeah to wrap, wrap it, up. it up. I critically have to pee, so I agree with that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so um, in a month from now, next book is the final installment in the trilogy, right. The Last Command. I'm we'll find out what happens with that. Yeah. And next week on the show, we are going to be talking about Once Upon a Time. Yeah. The ABC TV series. Now, I have uh, I have watched the first episode of this show. And, oh my God, I'm completely hooked on it. Yay! It's really are we, cool. Are we focusing two episodes on this, or are we doing just one episode? We're, well, two. Yeah, wasn't the plan to be doing the two episodes? The plan is then? two. We're just, we're kind of, we're behind in our recording and our release schedule. Yeah, we are. But that's okay. It's, it's yeah. all, it's all. We'll make it up. So, yeah, it'll We'll make happen. it up. So yeah, we'll do two. We're going to do two episodes on cool. Once Upon so, a Time. So next week, we're, we're going to do the first half of the season. Yep. Cool. Groovy. So that's a little tease for that. And in the meantime, uh, if you have time before you you reach critical mass, Miss Megan, can you tell people where to find us and talk to us and do all that stuff? Absolutely, Jim. Well, <laughs> you can find us uh, on Twitter, which is uh, kind of the main way that we like to communicate with people. So tweet us at NerdNovice. Uh, you can also send us an email at NerdNovice at gmail.com. Um, you, if you like the show, you can rate us on iTunes subscribe on itunes leave us a star review um check us out at our website nerdnovice.com any of the above we'd like to talk with you yes we would oh yeah uh, i heard from somebody on twitter today that said that they were looking forward to the next episode so awesome yeah thanks to uh to michael solis for uh giving us a little what what there that's awesome and, i've and had consi- some people I've had some people ask me if they could be guests on the show, too. So Yeah. That'd be fun. We could do a contest or something. For sure. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. All right, everybody. Well, thanks for listening, and we will see you next week. Bye.